Hey, Canoe Creek, over the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series called Faith Over Fear and really been enjoying it. And I've mainly focused in on stories from the early church. And, and here's why. It immediately follows uh, the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, it, it's also a display of some amazing faith in profound ways. And, you know, excited to be able to, to, to talk about that and demonstrate that as we uh, talk about what's going on in our own world. And maybe we're fearful about this or that. And maybe that we're not fearful about what's going on right now in our own homes or in our community. But listen, here's the truth. Everybody has issues with fear. Everybody wrestles with it in something or another. Uh, I may fear this, you may fear that. And the reality of it is, though, is God has given us an opportunity to increase our faith, and as we increase our faith, to diminish fear. Here's what we've said over the last few weeks. Just want to kind of remind you of a couple of things. We basically said this. There is an element of fear in faith. You know, the reality of it is for the church, as you read the story of the church, quite often it says that they feared God. Uh, there was this right kind of perspective on who God was, which leads us to also know this, that fear of God leads to faith, or faith, uh, the fear of God leads to faith, while fear of the world leads to foolishness. Uh, so as we trust in God, as we know Him, as we do have this right perspective of Him, which will lead us to be concerned or afraid, at the end of the day, here's the thing, He created the world. He created everything that we see around us. He has a power that is greater than we can imagine. So to be fearful of the things he created more than to be fearful of him doesn't really add up. Our fear in him will lead us to a greater faith. But if we're just fearful of the world, it's going to lead us to foolish decisions, foolish actions, and different things within our life as well. And one other thing that we said during all this that's important that really gathers together with it as well is faith in God will diminish and, and dismiss our fear of everything else. Uh, it, it will bring us to a place to where we are stronger. We have a greater sense of trust. We have a greater sense of hope, greater sense of peace and joy, uh, regardless of the circumstances that we may find ourselves in. And here's what I'd encourage you to do. If you're just jumping in this week for the first time, uh, take some time later today and go watch the last two sermons or go listen to them. It's, it's, an, it's easier than it's ever been. Jump on Facebook, jump on YouTube. Or you can use our church app to just listen to the audio while you're mowing your yard or whatever. And, and listen to those two messages because I really do believe that they, they build on one another and, and encourage each other and help us to understand what we're looking at. And so I want to continue doing today what we've been doing. I want to highlight another early experience in the church because I believe it shows a, a tremendous amount of faith uh, from an individual and what they ultimately went through. And I've been highlighting and spotlighting the early church, as I said, because of the demonstration of faith. Think about it. I said this a few weeks ago. Uh, the, those who followed Jesus, those who were closest to Jesus, when he was killed, when he was buried, they're scattered. They were full of fear. And then all of a sudden, 50 days later, they become people who face their opposition with such faith and such power and start to do things that are unexplainable. The only way to explain it is the fact that the resurrection changed them. They saw something that forever changed how they acted, how they thought, and, de and they demonstrated a profound and powerful faith as a result of that. And this powerful demonstration of faith is also seen in the story of Stephen, uh, somebody from the early church, and, and how he dealt with the circumstances that he found himself surrounded by as well. Let me give you the gist of the story 
It doesn't end so well for Stephen in this world, but uh, I think that you'll see in his ending how it's powerful and important. Uh, Basically, Stephen is being lied about. Uh, His opposition brought false witnesses. They put him on a mockery of a trial that's not really any justice at all. And in the end, they end up executing him uh, because of the lies that they tell about him. But you know what's powerful is in the midst of all of that, he demonstrates his ability his, to, to stand up against the opposition. He demonstrates his faith over them as well. In fact, you could say that they executed him for no reason at all, but the only reason they, they came to that conclusion and made that decision is because they recognized he was more powerful than them in everything that he said. And he was influencing more people than them as well. But let's read it for ourselves exactly why they came to this conclusion, exactly why this happened to Stephen, and exactly why he demonstrated such profound and powerful faith. It's going to be in Acts. Uh, This first part is in chapter 6, but predominantly comes from chapter 7. So jump in your Bible there along with me. Read this along with me. This is Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. It really sets us up to see the kind of man that Stephen was and what ultimately happened. It says this, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, love that statement, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen who began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. I love that last statement. They could not stand up against him uh, and against the wisdom that he had as the Spirit gave him that wisdom to be able to speak and to be able to lead and be able to encourage. Um, Ultimately, I want to ask you a question. What would you do if someone did that to you? What would you, how would you respond if somebody's coming at you with lies and somebody's coming at you to, to harm you? I think all of us would respond in the same way. For me, it would probably be like World War III, right? I'm pulling out all the stops. I'm going to bring out the best defense. Uh, the money doesn't matter at that point. Whatever I got to do, whatever I got to palm, whatever I got to leverage in order to buy the best lawyer I can buy to stand up and to speak a, a profound defense on my behalf. But here's what's, here's what's interesting. Stephen doesn't give a defense. I know the title, if you're looking at it in your Bible, it's going to say Stephen's defense. He does not give a defense. What he says isn't a defense. It's a proclamation. What he basically does is he gives the history of God's people. He gives a perspective of what God had been doing all throughout time, and he essentially is delivering the gospel message I mean, he's using his opportunity to say something, to defend himself, to really go on the offense and just simply say, here's the truth. Here's what God has said he would do. Here's what he's done. Jesus Christ is the the resurrected Savior that God has sent. I, I mean, this is powerful. His opportunity to say what he needs to say to try and clear his name he goes on to say something else. And, and pretty much, if you were to read on your own, I don't have time. I wish I had time to do it. But if you were to read on your own, Acts chapter uh, 7, verses 1 through 53, you're going to see everything that Stephen says. And I, I do have time to just highlight something really quick. It may seem that the, the end result is odd. Why would these people be so inflamed, so enraged to take him out of the city and kill him over what he says? But you've got to understand their context. 
You know, in, in their life, uh, their land, their law, and their temple were paramount. They were so important. And if you read carefully what Stephen says, he basically, he, he undermines all three of them. He says, you've gotten it wrong in all three of those areas. He gives us an illustration of Moses being on holy ground. And basically what he's saying to us there is, wherever God shows up is holy ground. Not just some little small speck. You know, it's not just some sort of coordinates that this is the only place. It's wherever God decides to show up, wherever he decides to meet you, that can be holy ground. With the law, he basically says you've been obstinate to it. You've disobeyed it all the way through. And so to the point that you've disregarded Jesus, who is the Messiah. And then with the temple, he says, you know, God made the earth. How can we make a building that can contain him? And so he undermines all three of those. And, and there is an application for us in that, just kind of passing by really quickly. Here's, here's the simple application is this. No matter where you're at, even if you're in your bed with your pajamas on right now, God has the power to show up and be with you in that moment, in that place. Um, no matter how much you have disobeyed what he's told you to do, what you know is the right thing to do and haven't done it, uh, he has the forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus for you. And, and no matter what you've done to say, there's no way God can come and abide with me or live with me or make his, you know, me into a temple of, of his bidding or his doing, uh, he can. That's what's really important about what Stephen is ultimately saying. He's giving, he's delivering the gospel. But here's the thing, for them, he's sticking a knife in their gut. But I want to show you how he twists it. <laughs> He not only sticks a knife in the gut, he twists it as well with the very last thing he says. Look at this. This is in Acts 7, 51 through 53. He says this, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Wow, always. This powerful language. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. This is the last thing Stephen says when they completely lose their mind and they rush him. And they start dragging him out of the city to ultimately a very cruel and painful death by stoning him uh, to death. And here's what's really powerful. The response of Stephen. Uh, in that moment, he doesn't demonstrate fear at all. He's not afraid. In that moment, knowing without a doubt his life is about to come to an end, what happens is, is significant. I, I don't know about you, but I've had a couple of moments in my life where I thought, hey, this could be it. Um, uh, one was when I was held underwater so long that I thought I was about to pass out. Another one was when some, something was collapsing uh, almost onto me. And, you know, the only thing that came to my mind in that moment was a little bit of fear. No, let me take that back. A lot of fear and a lot of panic fight or flight type of response, you know, which I think is, is typical and it's normal. 
Uh, maybe you've experienced something like that. Maybe you know uh, what it would be like. But I think it's really hard until we've really been in that moment. And we really know this is it. Without a doubt, this is it. Stephen knows this is it. And how Stephen responds is, is amazing. Um, I, I know that different people have said, what do we see in those last moments, right? Um, some have said, well, you know, visions of my life flashing before my eyes, maybe images of my spouse, images of my kids. Some have said that their loved one were seeing images of those who had passed before them. That's what they're seeing. What I want you to, to look at this morning is what does Stephen see when he knows everything's about to end? It's all coming to a close. It's a powerful moment in what Stephen sees. We find it in Acts 7, verses 55 through 56. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit, which means he is full of faith, and he is demonstrating and he is sharing Jesus with his world in a powerful way and how he's responding to the circumstances that he's found himself in. Let me ask you a question. What do you see right now? You know, as you've been thrusted into this pandemic that all of us are experiencing, uh, what do you see? It might be that in your circumstance, you see a lot more work, a lot more frustrating work. It may be that your workload has increased. It may be that it's doubled, and it's become even more difficult because it's maybe from home, and there's disruptions, and you don't have the same kind of environment that you need or typically have for how you get your work accomplished, and maybe the kids are getting on your nerve or something else like that. What do you see? Do you see that, or do you see an opportunity to use the gift that you've been given to serve others, to do something, um, to provide for someone, uh, to help in some way, whether it's picking trash up off the side of the street uh, running an IV line for somebody at a hospital, or just simply being there to provide for a family member, a friend, or someone else? What do you see? Uh, let me ask you this. Do you see less work? In fact, do you see no work? Do you see yourself staring at a blank wall at home about to go nuts, uh, getting frustrated, Maybe falling into certain habits that you know are not healthy or not good. I, I read several articles over the last few weeks, one that really pained me too, in fact. But one of them is that, you know, there's pornographic sites offering free memberships right now because they know that people are very idle and, and willing to jump into bad habits. Um, I, not only through personal story, but also, also through other articles I've read that those who really struggle with the opioid addiction crisis are jumping back into bad habits. In fact, I, I talked to a friend this week who has three people from their church who have been uh, sober for so long, all of them back into bad habits. I mean, what do you see right now? Do you see just sitting around idle in that way, just wondering what is it that I'm going to do? I'm stuck at home. Or do you see extra time to reflect? Extra time to focus in on God? 
extra time to have conversations with your spouse that you normally wouldn't get to have, extra time with your kids to be able to lock away some memories that will stick with you for so many years to come. What do you see right now? Uh, Do you see less money coming in as a result and fear and concern starting to build over bills that are hard to pay, trying to figure things out? not sure what you're going to do next? Or do you see maybe an opportunity to survey your surroundings and and reprioritize, trying to discern what's most important? Where maybe I've been putting my resources that are just kind of self-serving versus a a smarter way of using what what I have. What is it that you see? Uh, Do you see the, the things about your spouse and your kids uh, that they do that are just so annoying, starting to drive you nuts and sending you through the roof? Or let me ask you, have you taken an opportunity to be self-reflective and see your own annoyances, the things that you do, and start to work on them and improve them so you can improve the relationships that you have with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends or your family or whoever it may be? What do you see right now? Uh, do you see the need to help, ask for help? as a weakness? Or do you see the need to ask for help as an opportunity to lean into community, uh, put your trust in some other people? What Stephen saw in that moment is powerful. And here's the thing. It kind of leads us to what I think is a, a strong statement, something to maybe sit with us here this week. And it's simply this. Faith in God gives us better vision to see What is most important? When we put our faith in God, it helps give us a clearer vision, a better vision to see what is most important. Where should my time be? Where should my resources be? Where should my energy be located? How do I respond in this moment, in this situation? Now, I I know but don't know. I I know in some ways and in some parts how difficult it can be um, to experience the loss of a loved one, to envision the loss of a loved one. I've had times where I've envisioned losing the person that is closest to me in this world, my wife, and it's painful just to think about it. I've had moments where I've been fearful because uh, there was an issue where I thought that I may have or could have lost a child. I don't know what that would fully be like if it happened, but I know I've walked alongside of the people who have, and it's painful to watch, much less I could only begin to imagine experiencing it. And here's the thing. With all due respect and with all love to those that are closest to me, in that moment, in that time when I know that it's all coming to a close for me, as much love as I have for my wife, as much love as I have for my kids, I want to see one thing. I want to see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I want to see open arms. I want to see reception. I want to see the opportunity to be welcomed in to his eternal presence. This is what Stephen sees. So what do you see right now? How are you responding to what you see? Look at how Stephen responds. It's powerful. It says this in Acts 7, 59 through 60. 
while they were stoning him, while they're killing him. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. His faith in God influences his actions to where he makes this powerful statement of forgiveness to demonstrate and share Christ with his world in his most difficult moment in his life. That's a powerful demonstration of faith. Now, I just want to close with this one last thought, and it's not an easy thought. It, it starts out with looking at what Jesus said, the last thing he said to those who were following him, to those who were placing their faith in him. It goes back to the beginning of the book of Acts, back to chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, and this is what we read. Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says them to them, and it's a powerful statement, and it's a prophetic statement. Now, here's the hard part. Here's the reality. After the death of Stephen, look at what happens in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It's immediately following his, his death, his execution. It says this, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And I would say that you are now in the ends of the earth, in places that Jesus had envisioned his church would be, sharing him with their world, regardless of the circumstances, in fact, in light of the circumstances that they find themselves in. What Jesus said would happen, happened as a result, happened because of this difficult and painful experience that the church was walking through. This great persecution started on the day that Stephen was executed. And as a result of this great persecution, the plan of God for his church to be spread throughout the world and share his message of hope and encouragement and truth and love, to share Jesus with their world, began to, to, to multiply and be demonstrated. And here's what's even more powerful. As the opposition increased its level of, of just affliction and pain and struggle, the church increased its faith. And it's demonstrated, and it began with this amazing act of faith that Stephen displays for us. As we just think about that, let me ask you a question. What do you see? How are you responding to it? And what I'm inviting you to consider is as your faith in God increases, you will see the most important things. And you will respond in a way to share Jesus with your world when your faith in God is greater than your fear of the world. Uh, would you all pray with me? Father, we're grateful to be able to read this word today and to see this powerful demonstration of Stephen's faith 
his commitment, um, his desire and his ability and his willingness to see what needed to be seen in the most difficult moment. Because of his faith in you, he saw what was most important. And because he saw what was most important, he demonstrated uh, this powerful action in his life that shared Christ with his world. Help us to do the same. Help us to have the same kind of growing faith in you and diminishing fear of the world so that we can respond in a way that's powerful and influences those around us to the same actions. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.